0: welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of pastor immanuel iran lead pastor of celebration church international it is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith ready set grow praise the lord welcome to service how you doing Um, This is the midweek service of Celebration Church International, and we're just just so pumped and so delighted to welcome you. I have with me on set, PK. Pastor. How (laughs) you doing? All right, so welcome to church. Um, We're going to have an amazing time, all right, so I just want you to participate. All right, so we're going to get right to it now. Um, PK.
1: Pastor.
0: What a month we've been having. How has it been thus far?
1: Wow. Pastor, thank you for having me. I think, Mm. you know, I remember when you sent the theme for the month, Mm. and you sent from, I think, January to June. Yes. And the month of April is our month of grace is, you know, before then, I think you sent this in January or December. Yeah. There was no record of the pandemic. Mm. So we didn't even know the kind of message we need at the time Mm. as this. And the fact that the month of April now we began the lockdown in Mm -hmm. the country and it's a month of grace and people are asking questions. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've seen people who have money, who have the capacity to even buy Mm -hmm. life, but they Mm -hmm. cannot afford it now. They Mm -hmm. cannot afford drugs. To now know that the message of grace is what is essential, at hmm. the time, as this. Hmm. I mean, the first Sunday, it started with grace. Grace is a gift, yeah. And if there is anything we are looking for, it's the gift of life, yeah. That's what can you give me that will guarantee eternal life. Hmm. Hmm. The message was just profound. Then afterwards, hmm. we went to Grace is a seal hmm. that was that sealed it for me. I, hmm. I mean, I remember when you went to hmm. the I like that.
0: That sealed it for me. I like
1: <laughs> Pastor. You know this I, thing, just continue, my friend. <laughs> And I, I remember <laughs> that you read from Ephesians one fifteen, yeah. uh, uh, from thirteen actually. You mm-hmm. said, um, "In whom you trusted, after the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, mm-hmm. whom also you believe, and you were sealed, sealed. with the Holy Ghost of promise, mm-hmm. which is the earnest of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession." Mm-hmm. And you emphasised that, and the fact that we are still here. In fact, that was the week where there were a lot of questions and debates mm-hmm. about yes. um, the,
0: um, the end of the world, end
1: of the five the G, and all the questions that. We, people were asking and you just sealed it I mm. that message blessed a lot of Praise people God. not just me the fact, that the fact that we are still here as believers Praise that God. tells us that <laughs> we have a hope and um, mm. grace is just our guarantee for
0: and just in case you know you've not been able to watch catch up on those services you missed those services we still have those sermons available so go listen to them and be blessed all right so it's so it's it's so important all right we're going to be going you know into the word for today. And I'm glad you're here. We're just I mean, you're going to help me read some texts and I think that today's topic is so important because um there's been a lot of debate in the church need, needlessly because I mean the Bible is clear on God's divine position. We have quite a lot to discuss. I'm going to start today by Reading a text, a very crucial text And just in case you've not seen this before I want you to look at It's Romans chapter 11 Romans chapter 11 verse 6 Romans chapter 11 verse 6 Romans chapter 11 verse 6 It says, and I read P.K., are you there? Maybe you can read for us
1: Hallelujah.
0: Romans 11 6 it says
1: and if by grace then it is no more of works Otherwise grace is no more grace But if it's of if it's if but if it is by works Then it is no more grace otherwise work is no more work
0: You see a lot of people have this funny idea in the body of Christ speaking that you know We are saved by grace but we go on continuing to live by the law. And so what they do is, I mean, this selection, there's this selection, subconscious selection in the body of Christ. We we hardly see people sacrifice lambs just like they were doing in the old covenant. But selectively, there are some things in the old covenant that they've refused to let go. And they still feel that It is by this performance mindset that they get to please God. They still have that performance mindset, even as it pertains to making heaven, as it is called. You know, they think that they have to meet up to some standard to make heaven. And this text is very instructive. It says, if it is by grace, then it is no longer of works. This is so important. If it is by grace, it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And if it is of works, then it is no more of grace. This is very, very important. If it is of works, it's no longer of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. This is so important. Both are not meant to go side by side. It's just like, I mean, there was a law in this state, Lagos, Nigeria, where where we're having this service. Um, just about four months ago, let's say December last year, there were a lot of commercial bikes. I mean, people could use bikes commercially to journey from place to place. And now there's a ban on that. So there was an old law permitting bikes to operate commercially. And now there's a new law saying bikes cannot operate commercially. How do you combine both? <laughs> when a law... Or a principle is meant to replace something that was existing before. How then do you operate both of them simultaneously? It's not possible. And a lot of people don't understand this. I mean, this is so fundamental. If it is of works, then it is no longer of grace. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. So important. And so the theme for today's service is grace is by faith. And this is so important for you to understand. Saving grace is by, is by faith, not by works, but by faith. A lot of people, you know, just think that the only difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that blank sheet in their Bible. <laughs> that maybe the writers, you know, they were exhausted and they wanted to take a breather, so ah, let's rest, <laughs> you know, and... and and so they continued. That's the only difference for many people, the space in their Bible. But but the Bible is telling us there's a clear differentiation. And so I want to approach this by talking about the law. You know, the law first and foremost, and how important this is. So you're gonna read the text for me, and that's first Timothy chapter one, verse eight. I want you to read First Timothy chapter one, verse eight. First Timothy chapter 1, verse
1: 8. Okay. I'm sure wherever you are, it's important that you turn it to First Timothy 1, 8, also okay. very important. So First Timothy 1, 8 says, But we know that the law is good if a man uses it
0: lot, lawfully. Should I continue? Yes, please. Verse okay. 9 says... Okay, just that, just that is okay. okay. It says, we know that the law is good if we use it lawfully. So there is a lawful use of the law. <laughs> There's a lawful use of the law. You see, okay, for instance, when you travel to the U.S., business law varies from business law in Nigeria. And uh, even if there is a law in force in this country, the moment you travel, the rules obtainable there are different. And so there is a lawful use of the law. For instance, there, there are jurisdictions, there are places beyond which, you know, parameters beyond which a certain law may not apply And the same thing applies to the law of Moses. A lot of people just take it, you know, some people have the mindset, oh, it's the word of God, and so it must always apply. And it's not true. The Bible tells us categorically that there is a lawful use of the law. The law can be abused. A mouse moral of of blessed memory says, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse becomes inevitable. And a lot of people have abused the law of Moses. Moses abused it and used it in ways that it was never designed to be used. And we just want to have a gist about this and talk about this. You know, and we start by asking the question, why was the law given? Why was the law given? And it's important to talk about that because the law is often misapplied, like I said. And the reason a lot of people misapply the law is because they don't know why it was given. If they knew the purpose of the law, they won't try to use it the way they often use it. So why was the law given? And I want to start by telling you the popular you know, notions of, on why the law was given. The first is, a lot of people think the law of Moses was given as a revelation on morality. That God was revealing to mankind what is right or wrong. A lot of people think so. That through the law of Moses, we know right or wrong. And that's not true. Of course, in the law of Moses we get an idea on morality. But to say that that's the source of the revelation of morality is wrong. It's not true. To explain that, I want to backtrack and talk about something called moral law. I, you know, I've, I've talked about this before in church. What is moral law? Moral law, P.K., is an intuitive compass
1: Time, I don't want to look into your eyes and I want
0: to take notes. But... No, no, feel free. Feel free to take notes. You're in church, too. <laughs> Thank you. <bro.
1: laughs> You're
0: in church, too. All right. So, actually, we're meant to have two cameras, but maybe next week. So, uh, moral of basically, is an intuitive and universal compass, you know, that points us to what is right and wrong. Like I said, it is intuitive and it is universal. Intuitive. Intuitive in the sense that nobody teaches you. You just know. Have you seen children, little children, when they steal something, you know, nobody has taught them about, first of all, you you know, the moment they take something, they start to hide. Or they try to, you know, because this thing is inborn. You just know. So there is an intuition in everybody that serves as a compass pointing them to what is right and what is wrong. All right. For instance, every sane person knows that pedophilia is a sin. No sane adult should seek sexual relations with a child. Every sane person, Christians and unbelievers alike, know that it is a sin and it is wrong, you know, for an adult to seek sexual relations with a child. It's just a known fact. You know, the interesting thing is even, um, even atheists who claim not to believe in God, they still have this intuition. They don't have, a, they don't have a biblical law to guide them, a religious law to guide them. But if they see, if, an, if any atheist should see maybe a baby, a child, and a dog drowning at the same time. Intuitively, he knows to save the child before the dog. And the reason why this is interesting is because a lot of them believe that the world came to be by some cosmic accident. There was just an explosion, a cosmic explosion, and the particles began to organize, and that's how everything we, came, we, we know around and see around us came to be. And now the question then will be, if the world came about by a Big Bang, that means I don't have more value than a dog. Mm. We are all cosmic accidents. It just happened. Yet, they may know that in their head, but in practice, if a dog is drowning and a baby is drowning, they know to save the baby because there is an inner compass in everyone directing us concerning what is right or wrong. Mm. And that's what moral law is. Everybody has a moral law and what makes us our society sane is that you know we expect and that's why we can do business we expect some level of standard some level of church mind from everybody and if the moment we can't expect that then i mean, trouble the reason why we can stay safely in, in our house is because For the most part, we expect everybody to do the right thing, at least to an extent. Yeah, we have some measures, security is in place and all of that, but we still have expectations from other people. Even people who don't subscribe to our own personal religious values. Do you get what I'm saying? There's just a universal and intuitive compass, influencing right or wrong. And that compass is as old as man, older than the law. Older than the law. Was the law of Moses given to reveal right or wrong? No. Do, a lot of people think that, um, you know, when God said in the law of Moses, thou shall not kill, man was surprised. Oh, killing is wrong. I never knew. <laughs> oh, killing is wrong. I never knew. Do, do you really think that was what happened? That before then, people did not know killing was wrong. Right from the first murder case, Cain, he killed for the first time. Nobody had killed before him. Yet, even though he was the first, he still knew it was wrong. When God asked him, where is your brother? He said, I don't know. He went from being a murderer to being a liar. He was also the first liar. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Something intuitive Pushed him into self-defense. He was defensive because there was shame. There was, he knew he did the wrong thing. When the Bible says in the law of Moses, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's property. So if your neighbor has a beautiful wife and you're lusting after the wife, and then you now read in the law of Moses, thou shalt not. You think a normal thinking person will be like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was wrong. Every adulterer knows what he's doing. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? It's wrong. And that's as old as... For instance, look at Joseph. Joseph lived several centuries before the law was given. But when, you know, Potiphar's wife was trying to lure him into an affair, he said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? He knew it was a wicked thing. No... I mean... The law of Moses was not given then. No law saying you shall not covet your neighbor's wife was given then. But he knew that it was a wicked thing. He knew it was a sin against God, even if no law had been given prohibiting such an act. It was still a sin, and he knew it. And so this is so important. So the question now is, was the law of Moses given to reveal right or wrong? No. No. People knew what was right and what was wrong long before the law of Moses was given. What do you think about that? Um, I I know I put you on the spot, (laughs) but. (laughs) You know, you've
1: thought about this over and over again, Mm -hmm. but it's just a reminder to just know that. Yeah. I, I remember there was one analogy that you gave about a child mm-hmm. that um, I think put hands in fire mm-hmm. that you when you put your hand you would probably not put your hand against something. Ex- I yeah. remember a sermon in that light. Like, every child knows what is wrong and what is right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you just assure us to know that the law of Moses in itself was not given to reveal the death nature of man, it was to correct something
0: that they Hey, don't preach my sermon yet. Calm down. <laughs> All right. But point we have made thus far is that the law of Moses was not given to reveal right or wrong. You know, what you were trying to say about the child is, you you, you just be amazed. The things that children know are wrong. You, you just be amazed. You know, when they steal, they how they try actually, to, they from their eyes, you can tell they've done something wrong. They know they've done something wrong. You know, and that's so important. All right. So, we're just going to move on now. We're just going to move on now. Having established that the law definitely was not given to reveal right or wrong. We're going to move to the next thing that a lot of people think. A lot of people think that the law was given you know, to establish righteous, righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, to make people righteous. Something that if you do, then you'll be declared righteous before God. That also is not true. Because long before the law was given... A lot of people were declared righteous before God, and we're just going to read that in the Bible. The Bible says this about Abraham in Galatians, Galatians chapter three. We'll read Galatians chapter three, verse six. PK, can you be kind enough to read that for me? Galatians
1: six, verse six.
0: Yeah, Galatians chapter three, verse six.
1: All right, thank you, sir. Okay, start with. It says. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Yes. So
0: Abraham lived several years, several centuries, and we're going to know how many years exactly as we move on. Several centuries before the law was given. And the Bible says that God, because of his faith, declared him righteous. Abraham was a righteous man, even though there was no law. The law of Moses hadn't been given at that time, yet he was declared righteous before God. Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You know, I want you to read verse 9 for us. Verse 9, okay. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. You know, the KJV, you know, is not very clear to understand on this. Do you have a simpler translation you can try? Um,
1: Galatians 3 9.
0: A simple translation you can try. I'm
1: I'm going to read the NIV.
0: All right. So he said,
1: So those who rely on faith are blessed along with
0: Abraham, the man of faith. Exactly. I I made you read this translation because, you know, the KJV says faithful. There's a difference between being a man of faith and And being faithful. faithful. You know, faithfulness is more akin to loyalty. You know, but being full of faith is about what you believe. So he says... Abraham believed he was declared righteous. Everyone else who believed also was declared righteous just like Abraham. They who believe are declared righteous along with Abraham who also was a person of faith. So Abraham and everyone after him who believed they were declared righteous by faith. We know that in the word of God. So why was the law given? If people were already declared righteous, clearly not to make people righteous because there was already a system and a technology for that already. There was already an institution for the declaration of righteousness. In fact, the Bible talks about this. You know, I want us to read verse 17. That same Galatians chapter 3, verse 17. I'm reading from the NIV. Mm.
1: So it says, What I mean is this the law introduced 430 years later Mm -hmm. does not set aside the covenant previously established by
0: God and does do away with the promise. All right. You know, so he's saying, in that verse, we see that the law came 430 years after. Hmm. Abraham was declared righteous by God and the law was given... 430 years after that that's incredible 430 years after and now paul is saying don't think that if if since you know the the technology or the 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 system for declaring people righteous was already established in god by faith that the lord was going to replace that no no so there was already a system for that People were declared righteous before the law was given. So the the notion that the law was given, you know, as a system for establishing people in righteousness is not true because there was already a system for that. So we still come back to the question, why then was the law given? It's such an important question. We we need to ask these questions. Why then was the law given? And we're not the only one asking the question. You know, Paul, you know, anticipates that a proper thinking Bible student will arrive at this question. By the time you study, you know, God's salvation plan and how it panned out, you are definitely going to arrive at this question. Otherwise, you have not done a proper study. Mm -hmm. And so Paul asked asked the question rhetorically, and he answered it. And we're very happy about that. You know, in... The same Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. Paul says, Wherefore then sever the law? Hmm. What's the law for? What's the law for? Before I go on, I just want to say this. What is any law for anyway? P.K. Um, do you know the law of your nation and the provision of the law, when, I mean, when it comes to people who steal cars, if you steal a car in this nation, do you know, like, um, how many years you're going to spend in jail? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, 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 the reality is a good number of lawyers don't even know the full constitution. Of course, they have access to it. But I don't know if they've memorized the whole thing and know the penalty for every single thing. They, they just may not. If you knew it, I will be scared of you. <laughs> because it is people who are trying to steal or do all those things
1: looking for him, that I'm check
0: sure. the law so that they will know in their mind, you know, worst case scenario, <laughs> you know, how long they're going to spend in jail. <laughs> you know, why did you look up? You're taking God for your life, like for salvation. Know. <laughs> <don't even> know. <laughs> you know, so... Why is the law given? And you are a law-abiding citizen of this country, but you are not even abiding by the law consciously. There is a law about—I mean, for those who steal cars—and you don't know it, and you don't need to know it, except maybe after this um, session, if you just <laughs> take interest, you know, in you knowing it. But you just may never, there are some laws you will never know. You have no interest in it because it literally doesn't concern you. Why are laws given, generally? The general reason why laws are given is to hold people accountable, to hold troublesome people accountable. Mm -hmm. If you ever see a sign on a wall saying, don't urinate here, you know there are all kinds of signs (laughs) in Lagos. Don't urinate here. If you urinate here, the fine is 5,000 naira." The reason why there is a law like that is because people have done it before. Mm. People have done it before. And, you know, you are putting that law in place to hold the guilty accountable. Mm. That's why the law is given. That's why the law of Moses was given. Not as a revelation of right or wrong. Not as a system for the establishment of righteousness. But to hold guilty people accountable accountable. This is so important. Mm-hmm. And so, I want you to read that text, Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, and you're just going to read the whole thing so that, you know, we, we can then move on from there.
1: Wherefore, what serveth the
0: law? Mm-hmm. It is added because of transgressions. It is added because of transgressions. Mm-hmm. It's for transgressions to hold people accountable. Please go
1: on. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. All right. And it was
0: Ordained by angels in the hand of a meditator. All right. So we're going to take this, you know, one after the other, and then we'll move on. Why was the law given? The Bible says it was added because of transgressions. The focus of the law is transgression, not righteousness. Transgression. The law is more concerned with restraining than instructing. A lot of people need to know this. There was already a system for righteousness. So it was a system for transgression, for holding transgressors accountable, not to instruct, but to restrain. And that's why even in the law of Moses, you, you know, the Ten Commandments, you see the Bible keeps saying, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. It's not telling you what to do per se. It is focused on what you should not do. And the repercussion, if you do what you should not do, that's the focus of the law. To hold guilty people accountable, you know, and then the Bible says it was added because of transgression, and, and and that's so important. That detail, added, is you know the Greek word there actually means addendum, just like you have in a book, mm. you know, like an appendix. And the purpose of an appendix is just you know at, at the end of a book, extra information, you know, to throw some light to some things in the book. Now, just imagine reading the addendum of a book without reading the book itself. Imagine, you know, the book was torn, and so all you have is the addendum, the appendix, and you're trying to read it and make sense. Just imagine you enter a room, and you see somebody reading appendix. (laughs)
1: He's
0: not reading the book. You know, you're going to be so concerned for the person. Because guess what? Without the book, the appendix is useless. The only usefulness of the appendix is to point people to the material. Mm. Mm. The appendix is not useful on its own. Mm. And this is so important. It's so important. It's an appendage. Mm. Just added, you know. So if, and that's why he says, it was added until the seed should come. The seed he's talking about is Christ. Mm. Until Christ. So um, the system of, salvation had always been Christ. You were not going to be saved. You were not going to make heaven by doing the law. And God's ultimate system for dealing with transgressions was still salvation, the blood. And so until the blood was going to be shed, until the Holy Spirit was going to be given, you know, and God's system for handling you know, the excesses of man, until that was going to be in place, then the law to hold people accountable. And this is so important, as simple as that is. And so, also, the word until tells us that the, the, the law had always been temporary. Mm-hmm. A lot of people deal with this as if it was forever and were still supposed to live by the law. But I'm, I'm, I want you to read that again. Just read it one more time.
1: Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions the seed should come to whom the promise was made.
0: Till. KJV says until. Yeah. Yeah. As simple as that language is, it's so crucial and so important. It was added until. So now the, the seed is, it has come. Yeah. Hallelujah. His sacrifice has been made. Hallelujah. And so going by this is just telling you, it has been done away. Hallelujah. Done away with. You know This is so simple and so instructive. It was added until the seed should come. Oh, that seed is here. Um, There is something greater has been provided. People need to know this. Added until the seed should come. Anyway, we're going to move in from that now. You know, a lot of people don't understand why It looks like the revelation of God in the Old Testament is different from the revelation of God in the New Testament. Pay attention to this. It's going to really bless you. It is because they don't really understand. You see, God, under the law, is judge. That is just the way legal systems work. If the law was given to hold people accountable, then God, his purpose in the law is to uphold what is right and what is wrong. He's not in the law to build relationships. The law <laughs> was not for really. Do you understand? It's just like a judge in our legal system, in, in the courtroom. If he's in the courtroom, that's not the place to get to know him. As long as he's in that courtroom, he's not even going to treat you with sentiments. He's not trying to like you. His business is to uphold the law. If you fall short, he's, he's mandated to, to give you what is due. And that's so important. But that same judge has relationships out of the courtroom, has a wife, has children, has friends. I don't, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. But in the courtroom, his duty is to judge based on the provisions of the law. His priority is what is right and what is wrong. He's not there for relationships. And that's why a lot of people see God under the law and he looks different. But it's the same God. It's just the platform and the structure that is different. When you understand the purpose of the law, you will then understand why God appeared to be the way he was under the law. Because he's not there to build relationships. He's there to... The, 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 the purpose of the law... In the purpose of the law, you know, righteousness. In terms of what is right and what is wrong. Is what will be glorified. It's not for building relationships. It's not for building relationships. And as simple as that is, it's so important. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know, we talked about the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we're talking about the law. The wages of sin is death. The priority of the law is to pay your wage. No sentiments. No sentiments. So it is not for building relationships at all. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it says the letter killeth. It It says for the letter killeth. That's the priority of the law. The Bible calls it the ministration of death. Verse 9, the ministration of death. So it it serves to give people what they deserve. You've seen, you're gonna die. That's, that's the purpose of the law. That's, that's what it is. You know, when, when Paul says it's servant, meaning, or when he says the ministration of, this is what it administers. This is his purpose. Just to serve you your letter. Just imagine someone comes to a company, serves him a letter, and the letter says is an eviction notice. And the man grabs the guy, you know, the courier service provider. <laughs> and I say, ah, oh, you people should understand now. The guy is like, I, I, it's not me. My duty is to give you what is due. You know? And that's the purpose of the law. There's no relationship there. You did this, this is your due. The wages of sin is death. You know, and a lot of people just need to understand that. all right. Let's look at first Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, still understanding the purpose of the law.
1: 1 Timothy 1 9. Yes. Knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly. Hold on,
0: please. Did you read that? Have you read hmm. that before? The law. Of Moses is not made for the righteous man think about that think about that it wasn't given to improve lives per se it was given to restrict people who already had the propensity for wrongdoing for wrongdoing isn't that interesting okay please go on
1: Okay, I'm going to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Knowing this, that the law is not made for, the un, for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, mm-hmm. for the ungodly and for sinners, mm-hmm. for the unholy and profane, mm-hmm. for murderers of fathers, murderers of and, mothers, and,
0: and you can go on and on like that. So, I mean, <laughs> if, if, if you have a school and you say anybody who jumps the school gate will be expelled, the reason you are making that rule is because you know there will be people that, will join the that want to jump the school gate. And so there must be a structure to hold them accountable. There are some people who literally have no business with that law. Like you, you know, I jumped the school gate. <laughs> 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 Thank God for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. You know, you know, there's, there's a lot about you, like with all the freshness, <laughs> the hood in you. People still know. Just so you know, <laughs> that was so funny. You felt convicted, I mean. Oh, no, that was not doing it. It's <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my God! All right. <laughs> I'm still going to use it though, so you will feel convicted I'm for all your pasts. <laughs> you know, so there will be people like PK in every secondary school. You know, and you have to have laws to curtail them. It's very important, and that's the thing. But there's some good boys that even never really knew. You know, <laughs> it was fun then. <laughs> Are you sure you are saved? You are still saying it was fun. Don't worry, people. I'm still, I'm working on him. We're still mentoring him. All right. You know, so that's so important. And so a lot of people don't understand this. And a lot of people who are saved by grace through faith, they still want to look at God through the lenses of just imagine a child who wants to, Okay, maybe a child, the child of a policeman. Mm. And he wants, in fact, many of them would not want their children to see them at work. Or the child of a soldier when he's disciplining criminals. Mm. He doesn't want his child to see him that way. Imagine a child trying to relate with with his father. I remember the time, you know, I, I just come back from school and I wanted to be extra cautious, you know, in demonstrating respect for my dad. So I just kept saying, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes. And one day he interjected and I said, what do you mean, sir? Well, <laughs> where did I want start? I'm daddy. Do you understand? So you might be the head of a conglomerate and people are calling you boss, chairman, CEO, you know, and all of that. If you come to your house and your daughter starts saying, see you, you know, <laughs> What might be a compliment outside is going to be annoying in your house. This is so important. And so a lot of people try to treat God when he was acting in his legal function. In Christ, they still want to treat God that way. And so, the writer of Hebrews now is determined to make a distinction. And listen, everyone here, this is so important. You you have to pay attention to this. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 12 now as we begin to make this distinction you know Hebrews chapter 12 i'm going to read this one myself oh glory to god this is so hallelujah. powerful this is so powerful hallelujah it says for you have not come to the mountain that might be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and to darkness and to tempest and the sound of trumpets and the voice of God so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. He's talking about the situation and the circumstances that surrounded the giving of the law. The voice of God thundered from the mountain, and you know, there was a rule nobody should even come close to the mountain. Nobody, can I tell you something? Before then, God had always been seen to want to associate with humanity. In the cool of the day, he's in the garden with Adam and all of that. But now, there is a strict rule. Nobody come close. Even an animal, if an animal comes close to that mountain, it should be killed on the spot. And God is talking from the mountain, everybody is trembling, even Moses is afraid. That's God under the law. And now you are in Christ. He's telling you, that's not... That's not your relationship. That's not your revelation of God. You are not come onto the mountain that might be touched and I burn with fire and blackness and t- tempest. And the sound of a trumpet, the voice of words, which the, those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. I mean, it was so terrifying. They said, Oh, God, tell Moses what you want to tell us. This is too scary. The Bible says, for they could not endure what was commanded. If so much as a beast would touch the mountain, then it was stoned. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. He says, but you have come. He told you what you have not come to. This is a very way, very important way to teach something. Before you define what something is, you define what it's not. You are not come to a mount that may be touched and that, you know, is burning with tempest and the voice of words that is terrifying and all of that, the darkness and trembling sounds. You are come unto Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Look at the differentiation. You are not come unto that. You are, it starts with but. That word but is so destructive. This is, this is not what you come, come to. You are come unto Mount Zion. The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the Judge of all, to the Spirit of Just Men made perfect, to Jesus, the Mediator of a new covenant. Listen, in the law, everybody was pushed away; don't come close to the mountain. But now you have great company, innumerable company of angels. You come to Jesus, Hallelujah. the Mediator of a new covenant. There is a new covenant. You come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. To the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel.
1: Glory to God.
0: This is important. Glory to
1: God. Hallelujah.
0: You've come to something better.
1: Yes, sir. sir.
0: You've come to something better. This is so, so important. A lot of people, when we talk, you know, about what Christ has done, they seem to think that we're undermining the law, not knowing that they are the ones undermining what Christ has done. Hmm. Because the Bible clearly tells us, we are not the ones making unnecessary comparison. Hmm. The Bible made the comparison and called what Christ did better. Hmm. There's a comparison of blood. The blood of Abel's sacrifice under the law. Hmm. And then the blood of Jesus. Jesus. The blood of Jesus is better.
1: Hallelujah!
0: Abel's sacrifice was just a type (laughs) of what was really going to happen. So there is a better blood, better promise, better high priest, better promises. Glory to God! Hallelujah!
1: This
0: is so important, so crucial. You know, I, I talked about this in my book, Saving Grace, and if if you don't have this. I, I want you to get it. It's available on Okada Books. already. So, and that's what, there's a chapter, Live by Faith, you know, and I taught this here. And I'm just going to continue from here. You see, here we have Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and just continuing our thought from there. Romans 8, 15 says about the same thing. It says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Hmm. I like the fact that he says again. He's making comparison. In the law, there was fear. Hmm. So he's saying you have not received the spirit of bondage again yeah. to fear.
1: Hmm.
0: There was fear before, not anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Believe, listen, believers need to learn this. A lot of people still have this fear approach, to, you know, to, to everything divine. Their Bible drops on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. You know, I, we should be cautious. Hmm. There should be reverence in our devotion, not fear. Hmm. The Bible says, perfect love has cast, cast out, out fear. Hallelujah. This is so important. Cast this is so important. He has not, you have not received the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. So he's making a differentiation. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have received the spirit of adoption. So he's, he's making a contrast of spirits. The spirit of the law was fear. Fear, you know, was, was evident in the law. You've received the spirit of sonship whereby we cry, Daddy, Daddy. Abba Father means Daddy, Daddy. Daddy, Daddy. So now, the God, the judge in the old covenant is your daddy now. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. And
0: that makes all the difference. I take that again. The judge has become your daddy. And he's not dealing with you in the courtroom. Yeah. He's dealing with you at home.
1: Hallelujah. This is
0: so Lord important. So, good. so crucial, so important. He's not... Listen, a lot of people treat God like their boss in the office. And the relationship is not the same. When I'm paying people to get the job done, I don't really care. Do, do you understand? The job must be done. And if they are incompetent, they are going to get fired. Mm. So, you know, the inadequacies of your staff Mm. makes him a a liability to the company. Mm. But the inadequacies of a child Mm. is your responsibility. Mm. 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 The inadequacies of a staff Mm. is a liability to Mm. the company. The inadequacies of a son is the responsibility of the... When a son misbehaves outside. They say his father didn't train him well.
1: (laughs) So good.
0: A boss can send, you know, an employee that doesn't behave well out of his company. Hmm. When he sends him, where does he go? He goes home. Hmm. He goes home Hmm. because no matter your failure, there's no place to go but home. Hmm. So, while, you know, the employee, the employer might not be interested in training you know, a child from the scratch. I mean, it, it might just put you through on what, how to deliver on the job. It doesn't really care about any other thing. But the father must train. Hmm. The father must train. Hmm. The father has the patience. The father has the time. Hmm. The father has a responsibility. Hmm. The father has the clarity of motive. He's not trying to make money of the son. It's just what fathers do. Hmm. So people need to understand this the fatherhood of God has changed everything hallelujah has hallelujah. changed everything Campus. you see the Jews did not see God as father in fact it was because Jesus one of the major reasons Jesus was crucified is because he called God father he called God father because they were under the law under the law God God was judge he was judge but that has has changed now we cry abba father this is so important notice again that the bible keeps making the dis- distinction he, it was never seen as something to keep side by side you know the law and grace you have not received this this is what you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father that changes everything Glory be to God. Hallelujah. You, are, you are not a liability to God. You see? And he knows all your frailties. And he's training you through it. You may try to impress your boss. You may try to hide your weaknesses from your boss. You know, you know all those people in interviews in, in this country. They say, what are your weaknesses? You say, I'm, I'm hardworking. <laughs> 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 you know all those <laughs> When they say, well... You know, when they say, what are your weaknesses, they won't say what their weaknesses are because they know, (laughs) you know, they will just say something nice, like, I tend to work too hard. (laughs) So the boss will be like, ah, I like this this weakness. (laughs) Because you're not trying to reveal your actual weaknesses to the company. So you hide your weaknesses from your boss, from your employer, but your dad, you can sit with him and say, This is what I'm going through. Because you know that he's going to be there for you. Listen, register it in your consciousness and the consciousness of your mind, God is your father. Hallelujah. If listen, especially as it pertains to your weaknesses, he's your father. He's Hallelujah. not. He wants to walk you through it. There is a training in the spirit, he's your daddy. He is for you. He's not against you. Hallelujah. He's not. Do you know you can literally just sit with God and say, God, you know, this is what I'm going through. Help me. Help me. I've seen it in your word. I'm meant to forgive. I'm meant to forgive. But I confess that I am strong in your word. You are not, you are not trying to impress God. There must be that sincerity as if he's your dad. This is going to change people's lives. Don't you think so? This is so important. It's going to change people's lives. It's going to change people's approach to devotion. God is my daddy.
1: Hallelujah.
0: A daddy that loves me. You know, this example is not even really perfect for many people because even their biological relations were not that perfect. But he's a good, good father. Not only is he a father, he's a good, good father. And this is so crucial and so important. All right. I'll just read a few texts and then we we'll prepare to round this off. I have so much. Listen, do your best to get this book. It's, it's such a good book. All right. If you don't have it, it's an Okada book, Saving Grace. So I'm going to go on and read something very crucial. Something else the Bible said about the law. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Yes. Remember what we read before, said the law was an addendum. It was given because of transgressions, transgressions. until Christ. Until Christ comes. Now, he's saying the same thing. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And this was an Old Testament analogy. You know, for a guy who had a resp- who was a schoolmaster, he was just, um, kind of like a maid who took, you know, someone who was going to school from the house to the school, just to make sure he gets there. Hmm. So it's just like a school bus in modern day to take your children from the house to the school. The moment the child gets to school, or you know, his, his job is done. The law was a schoolmaster until Christ. The moment Christ came, the purpose of the law was done. Hmm. This is so important. Look at verse twenty-five, Galatians three twenty-five. Hmm. Are you there? Yes, sir. Please read that for me.
1: But after, but after that faith is come, we no longer are under a schoolmaster.
0: So important. <laughs> so now that faith is come, we're no longer under a the law. We don't need a schoolmaster. We don't need a schoolmaster. So we were broken before Christ. We were sold out in transgression, and so man needed the law. But now, no more. Hallelujah. The Bible says, "For what the law could not do, in that it was weak, God in Christ has done."
1: Hallelujah.
0: Romans chapter eight, from verse one to three.
1: Hallelujah. What the
0: law could not do because it was weak. God has achieved in Christ. Hallelujah. This is so crucial. This is such a huge blessing. Verse 26 says, For we all are the children of God by faith in Christ. Hmm. We are the children of God by faith in Christ. You know, so we've been brought onto maturity. No need for tutors. He now gives another analogy in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, although he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father. Now, I'm going to say something very deep. You know, I like to teach in a very simple way these days. You know. But I'm going to, this needs to be explained. Because a lot of people have used this text and explained it in a way that, you know, this is not about consecration. This is about salvation. This is not about spiritual maturity. This is about salvation. And here is what I'm saying. You know, a lot of people say and quote this and say, Hey, as long as it's a child, different nothing from a servant. Even if you are a child of God, until you come to your maturity in the Lord, mm. Mm. there are some things you will suffer like an unbeliever. That's not what this text is saying. We must interpret this analogy properly. In this Analogy. Maturity is not spiritual growth. The maturity is not referring to the people, it's referring to the time. Mm. So he's saying the law was a schoolmaster until Christ. Christ. So, and when was Christ going to come? In God's time. Mm. All right. So when the maturity of the time came, now we are sons of God and we no longer need the law. It wasn't spiritual growth that made us sons. It was Christ and faith in Christ. There are other texts that talk about spiritual growth, not this one. So when he's talking about the heir, as long as the child different nothing from his servant, though he be Lord of all, he's talking about something. Look at verse three. He says, even so we were we were children, sorry, even so when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So it was not our fullness of maturity. It was the fullness of time. When Christ came, the law was expired. And that's what this is saying. Verse five, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive adoption of sons. Mm.
1: Mm. Thank you,
0: sir. A lot of people try to use this to teach me spiritual maturity. A lot of people even play with the Greek words, heos, technon, you know, mm. nepio, and, and all of that is nice. Mm. You know, um, I've seen people that I respect with my whole heart and with my whole life. People who I li- almost literally owe my life teach that, but that's, that's not what this is saying. But mm. that's wrong. <laughs> you know, This is not about spiritual maturity. So we see that the difference between a child Mm. and a son is not spiritual growth, it's Mm. faith. Mm.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. Faith in the gospel.
1: Mm.
0: Faith in the gospel. The moment you believe the gospel, you are brought into sonship. Simple. And it is so simple. So simple. And now, oh, glory to God. You will now see that, in fact, it's easy to tell that it's the same person that is preaching this, that preached in Romans chapter 8, because he now says in verse 6, And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That's the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption. Adoption means sonship. He has given us the spirit of sonship, crying out, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more A servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. 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 I'm no more a servant. I'm a son. I'm gonna walk like a son. I'm gonna walk like I have an inheritance. I'm gonna walk, I'm not going to act like a like a tenant in the household of God. I'm a son with an inheritance. I belong there. You see that heaven that you've always heard about? That's my house.
1: Hallelujah.
0: That's my house. That's my house. Nobody needs visa to his house. That's my house. I might be in another country, but that's my house. It changes everything when you realize you're not going to be a son of God when you make heaven. The Bible says, John said, now are we the sons of God. Now. That changes everything. The Bible says in verse 18 of Galatians 5. I want you to read that for us. I want, I want you to read that for us. and we're just going to round off here. There's still so much to share.
1: Galatians 5.18. Yes. But if ye be led of the Spirit,
0: ye are not under the law. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you see, what the law was trying to do to keep us in check, to make sure we don't transgress, or there will be a penalty for that. The Holy Spirit has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we, we need to understand that if you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need rules and regulations to make you do. You don't need that kind of motivation anymore to do the right thing. It's not rules and regulations that make me do the right thing. It's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Ezekiel prophesied about this. He said, God speaking through him said, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Give you a heart of flesh. He said he will put his spirit, Jeremiah talked about it also. He will put his spirit in us. And the spirit will cause us to walk according to the statutes of Christ. These statutes that we were trying to obey in the law, will now become our propensity In Christ. So the the Bible was making that comparison. In Romans chapter 8. You know I I want us to read it. You know Romans chapter 8. Maybe you will read from verse 1 to 3 for us. From verse 1 to
1: 3. There is therefore no condemnation for them. Mm -hmm. Which are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm.
0: Who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit. So now he's comparing. Walking after the flesh. I'm walking after the spirit. That's, there's that comparison. Please read on.
1: For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus admit made us free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Glory okay, verse God. 3. For what, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. I like the fact that it says what the law could not do, in that it was weak. When we're talking about you're not under the law, you're under grace, we are not talking about a permission to just live anyhow and be careless and to go on in sin. We are talking about something better.
1: Hallelujah!
0: Glory what the law could not do, the redemptive work has done in us. We've received the spirit Glory of adoption. To God.
1: Glory to
0: God. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are led. Hallelujah. We know what the fruit of the Spirit is. The, the evidence of the Spirit's influence. Mm. We can walk in that. And we're going to talk about that next week. We can walk in that.
1: Hallelujah.
0: We God. walk in the Spirit. We don't Glow fulfill the loss of the flesh. Hallelujah. We don't need rules and regulations to get us to do the right thing. Oh. The Spirit of God has conditioned us in righteousness. That's my life. That's my life. That's my life. Ta, ta, ta. Wherever you are right now, I want you to begin to speak these words over your life. And pray in the spirit right now. 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 Limba Digunska Bactia Balando Rubeneges Tongras Touches Zatogri Kesus A Balaton Grace Kuvractaya La Rebedige Balatongris Kazushe A Balando Runde Rebedegibacas Valatograce Zumde Rebene Rabaya. Oh glory to your name, Father. We give you the praise and the glory. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name, Father. We give you the praise and the glory. Hallelujah. Listen, it doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't even matter what you're struggling with right now. A lot of people think that they must perform to impress God. So when they do the wrong thing, they promise God they won't do it again. God is your coach. He's your daddy. He's walking you through He's helping you mature. He's walking you through the process. Stop trying to perform for him. You're not an entertainer. You are a son. You are not. So, so you, 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 you have to be aware that he knows. Maybe there's even a call on your life and you're afraid you will embarrass God. Why did God call me with all these weaknesses? He knew all your weaknesses when he called you. He's going to walk you through them. You are going to defeat all those silliness. You will defeat it. He's bringing you to maturity. He's bringing you to maturity. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. For everyone under the sound of my voice, you are growing in the acknowledgement of who you are in Christ. Growing in the consciousness of sonship. Growing in the manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit growing, growing by the Holy Ghost. Your convictions are strengthened. No condemnation thrives in your heart. The lies of the devil, they don't thrive in your heart. Those lies telling you, you will never really be used of God. There's so under the sound of my voice. You've even you've even, even avoided, you know, anything that will put you in the spotlight in church because you think you will mess up. Stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in the Lord trusting in the Lord. Father, we thank you. Glory to your name. We rejoice in who you've made us. We cry but Father. We are not ashamed to call you daddy because you've identified with us. You are not ashamed to call us son. And so we boldly call you daddy. We boldly call you daddy. We dare to call you daddy. We give you praise in Jesus' name.